talking billions of people, eight billion people in the world, to be considered number the one strongest man. Of course, you know, you know we're not gonna get the legalities of what all that is, but just to have that title. Well, it's it's no legalities to it. You know, like when you the guy, you the guy, and I, I worked to be that dude. It wasn't like something that was bestowed on me or nothing that somebody said. You know, or something that I'm claiming. It's a fact. How, how does that? How does? How do you move around? Like, does everyone? Is everyone beneath you after that? Like, as far as mentally, like everyone's a peon after that? No, no. You know what? That, that's kind of an attitude thing. Uh, I respect people, especially the ones that respect me. And uh, I try my best to like not let my head get too big about none of that. Like I work to get it done. If anybody's going to have a big head, it, it was my mom. My mom was, she was, boy, she was my number one cheerleader. Mother of the Frost Yeah, man. She, she was the one that was allowed to brag on me and all that stuff. But everybody else, you know, it's like I take it in stride, man. And I, I actually want to help people to try to get where I am and, uh, I want to see other people break my records and get that that fame. Now, I got to ask, man, because, you know, when you're the world's strongest man, and you know how women are, how many how many women try to get you to beat somebody up? Man, women try <laughs> women try to get me to pick them up more than they want me to beat people up. I know, you know? it's just off the rip, like, no matter hey, they size like that. It didn't matter, man. You know how many 200, 300-pound girls I picked up in my life just, oh, yeah. just, just so they could have that experience? Bro, I Thank you for my first. Thank you for they my like, first experience. They like, thank you. That was so good. Oh my God. It felt like going to Astro World. Man, listen, it's like man, I, I would hate to do that. I would hate to be anybody's first on anything because they're gonna they, they're gonna keep calling you. I ain't gonna lie, I tried to pick a 200 plus girl up and nigga, the whole my whole kneecap went out. Like, oh no, no. So did you ever have an experience where it didn't go all the way right? Like, <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I'm picking up no women or nothing like that. Like, I, I thank God I, I ain't fall down or nothing. That would have been the worst. Now this man's prepared. <laughs> you can't be the worst. That's the one that's gonna get on you. See, he said he's the world's strongest man. But <laughs> you talk about being famous. <laughs> no, I'm just talking about just if man. you drop some girl and you're supposed to be the strongest guy, boy, you're gonna be. <laughs> Not, you not, get assassinated. Not in the Twitter era. Not in Twitter era. Oh man, you wouldn't make it. But I was always curious, man. We were talking as far as man, what motivated you to even be, you know, start getting before you know the Olympics, as far as even getting ready to, you know, be who you are today. Like, what motivated you um, as a child? Was it, you know, a girl? Was it just whatever? Like, what motivated you to get to? You know what, man? Like in '76, I saw my first Olympic game. Yeah. And when I saw Vasily Alexeyev and people throwing roses and him bowing and like that was my first idea of seeing fame, yeah. seeing somebody being revered and respected. And, and that's what I wanted. I, I, I realized more than money, more than anything else, like I wanted to be famous. And, you know, I was blessed to be able to do that. That's a good motivator, man. You was talking about willpower to just keep going, man. Was there ever a time where even getting up to the Olympics as far as, you know, getting the gold medals that you won, that you just felt like, man, I got to quit because, you know, this is going on in my life or just personally, I just don't think I'm there. Or was it always like, go, go, go? Nah, man, it was, it was always work first. It was always like try to be better than I was. And I was telling you, like, I never went on spring break. 
You know, I, I never had like uh, uh, like vacations and stuff growing up. Like my whole life was revolved around being the best lifter on the planet. And, you know, I was able to get that done. So uh, it was worth it. That's exactly what was going to be my next question as far as what do you feel like your biggest sacrifice was? You know, I think the biggest sacrifice was early in my career was the women and all the the. Uh, the partying and stuff like that. Like, I, I didn't get to do it. And, yeah. you know, once I got to college and I started, like, they were like, man, like, you the guy. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, let's go. Yeah. And, and, and then I started to hang out a little bit, but I never let myself get uh, so enchanted with that that it superseded my work and what, where I wanted to be. Uh, when you when you become great at something, it's very easy to get knocked off the path. And, um, you know, like I didn't want to be one of those stories. And I always had good people around me. There you go. And I was telling you, I had Harvard graduates and my manager and his wife both were professors at the University of Texas. And there you go. Um, they were always in my ear like this is the way it's got to be. And if, if you deviate from this path, like you'll be one of those guys that we talk about, wow, they could have been great. Yeah. And yeah. I never wanted to be that. Never. Man, were you were you Texas born? Yes. Born and raised. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sillsby, Texas. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in, in what they call Big Texas. Okay. Down in Southeast Texas, Beaumont, Port Arthur, Orange. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah. I, I grew up with Nahalia Jackson and Bun B yeah, and Pimp. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I grew up, I remember being at track meets with them dudes. I, I, I talk, I, I go back and forth with Bun on social media. Like, let's um, find out that Pimp C was your uh, getting ready to get in the ring. So, let <laughs> us find out you walked out to some Pimp C before you Pimp got ready. Mark Henry, I got bitch. a pocket full of stuff. Oh, man. Bitch. Man. For, oh, man. Now, hey, and, okay. Take it off, chick. Yeah. Over, let me see it. That's how he was whooping all that ass. Well, I, I love that pimp, man. Man, you got uh, and I want to take it there, man. As far as man, the nation of domination era, man. Again, I, I just been a fan of just, just even your entrance, man. As far as into the nation of domination, man. Do you feel like that run itself was one of the best runs for black wrestlers in the sure. WWE, sure. WWF? Yeah, and in the history of of the black athlete in pro wrestling. Um, not just from the main event status uh, or the money that was made during that time, but the prestige of being a main event wrestler at, at, at WrestleMania. Yes. That's the standard. When you get to WrestleMania and your name is at the top of the bill, you, you made it. And uh, I was able to do that on three different occasions, which you know most people don't get one. And not not just I mean no black people right uh, you know Ron Simmons you know opened the door for the black athlete to be a world champion uh, I wish it would have happened at a WrestleMania uh, but it didn't until Kofi Kingston and um, I was able to do it um, to get there but I got an injury and I didn't get to be the main the number one main event match at WrestleMania. And until I, I faced Undertaker at WrestleMania 22, and that that just lifted me to a level that you know a lot of people never thought was possible for the African American wrestler. 
Yeah, because um, I'll be honest, as a, as, a, as a black kid watching it, right, y'all were the people I gravitated to because it's like, you know, you put it on, it's like the nation domination. You got yeah, a just bunch like of group I, of black, I was that you know way with Junkyard Dog. Yeah. I was that way with Coco Beware and in the WWE, but we also here in Texas, right. like, you know, we, we had Iceman Kings Parsons, you know, right, like right. I, I gravitated to the African-American wrestler. Andre the Giant was the only wrestler that transcended the color line to me at that point because he was a big giant dude and it transcended everything. Andre was different than everybody else. I, I just had to ask you, what were some of the challenges that you faced as a black wrestler? Like, you know, because I was watching the Tiger Woods documentary, right? And he was like, at one point he couldn't play at Augusta because it was white only. Right. And, then he, and then, you know, him coming as a black player, it changed that. What do you think um, Nation of Domination was able to change as far as black wrestlers? Because now you see a bunch of black wrestlers, you know. Well, I, I did that intentionally. That was all intentional. Uh, Big Cat Ernie Ladd, the first thing he said to me when he saw me was, hey, man, don't mess it up for everybody black after you. Yeah, you're right. He, <laughs> I mean, you he, he said that there was a lot of African-American wrestlers that was about them and them only, and they never took the other black people along for the ride. Yeah. And that that I just couldn't go through my life and that be an issue. So uh, somebody's snoring like a song. Man, hey, that's, it might be raining outside. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what the hell. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> for real. But it, it was, it was, I wanted to be an example. No, definitely. And I, I, I would go and tell uh, the African-American wrestlers what was going on in the boardroom. There you I go. would go tell them what was going on with, um, uh, with what was being planned for the future and how the company wanted to be represented. Exactly. exactly. And I was on time. <laughs> I didn't do drugs or drink. I was reliable. There you go. And in order for you to get a shot at being the guy, you almost have to not have a weakness. Very true. And I had weaknesses, but I had to disguise those weaknesses and eliminate them in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was able to do that. And in that, in that process, I was able to teach other people how to, come to together with what I was doing to make them a complete wrestler too. And a lot of the African-American talent that are in the pro wrestling world today, they're, they're, they'll tell you, I don't have to say it. Yeah. They'll tell you that I'm the reason that that's possible because uh, Ron Simmons and I being champions and being in the same group together Ron was like, man, you can do stuff that I can't do because of your education, because of your understanding of other systems. And um, I, I just I just listen, man. Like that that's basically it. We our pride keeps us from taking advice like it's our idea. Right. It, 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 I don't have it don't have to be my idea. I don't have to be the only one to eat off it. I don't have to be the only one that got put in front of the press because I'm going to mention the people that helped me along the way. There you go. And that's that everybody get together and have success. Man, I'm curious, man, you was able to, uh, of course, work with the rock early on, man. Did you at that time see what he was going to become and what he was going to do for the pro wrestling foundation? Did you see it as it entered or was it like, yeah, you know, 
No, it may I, not go I back. saw it. I saw it right away. He he was instrumental in me being the guy that I am. Yeah. Like Dwayne um, is the most studied pro wrestler that I ever met. Yeah. yeah. Like he was always writing something down, you know, an idea or he was uh, practicing stuff like the first time that, um, um, you know, I heard it doesn't matter what you say like a thousand times before it came on television because like we would be in the car driving. He, he moved in with me when he first started wrestling because he didn't have any money. And so when he moved into my apartment and we started like talking and riding together and he didn't have a car, like, you know, we was, that was my brother. Like, so we, we took care of each other and along the way, but. He hit you with the, it doesn't matter? Like, man, I, 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 like just in, in a conversation? We, we, in the, we, we in the car driving. You know, he was like, man, that's, is your food good? Yeah, man, it sounds, it doesn't matter. And you're like, oh man, don't do that shit, man. Don't, Come on, man. Don't like, do dude, that. I'm trying to really tell come you on, something. Come on, man. Like he used to, he was a clown, man. Like, but he was a good one. Like he was the guy that was like, my grandfather wrestled. My yeah. grandmother ran the wrestling territory. My dad wrestled. My mom, she did everything underneath my grandfather and my grandmother. I've had five or six cousins and uncles before me do this business. They talk to us every day as children, like going to school and do your work. And they also talk wrestling. He said, I know this business already. I just need an opportunity. That was the difference between he and I. He was third generation. I was new. Exactly. And exactly. my pride didn't allow. I mean, I got it, man. I, I, I was never one of them dudes. Yeah. You know, like, no, 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 no. I got, I got yeah, man. I got it. No, no, it wasn't ever me. And I listened to him. And like a lot of my success, if it wasn't for Dwayne telling me what to do, and he, he used to tell me all the time, man, don't let those people trying to bring you down stop your momentum. There you go. And um, there were a couple of times where I did, where, you know, like uh, I grew up being a star yeah. and people tried to diminish my light and I fought over my light. I wanted my shine. And that was that young prideful arrogance that I had that you needed to survive, but you need to have people around you that can put you in check. Yeah. And I, I was blessed, man. Like God put people along the way keep to keep on. reminding me. There you go. And I, I do want to ask, cause you said, you know, you were new to it. Of course, Vince McMahon, you know, signed you to probably one of the longest, you know, first rookie contracts. I believe it was 10 years, correct? Yeah. Um, and you came in as with the moniker of the world's strongest man based off, you know, from the Olympics. Um, I'm curious as far as your thoughts on, you know, the, you know, those, I don't want to call them gimmicks, but I guess you could call it that as far as having some kind of gimmick to you, uh, being a wrestler. Um, you know, going back to the days of Boink the Clown and Papa Shango, Undertaker. Um, these are gimmicks that are larger than life. Um, of course, but they're also, those gimmicks were made up. Yes, exactly. Like Yours what, was what the I real was, deal. Was, was real. It, it was, it was legitimate. I was the strongest human being walking the planet. Yeah, and I think you changed the wrestling world because of that. You know, you, Kurt Angle, you became humanized from the, you know, the gimmicks that came before in the 80s, right. early 90s. You kind of made it 
okay, normal humans where you have your Kofis and your, you know, your other ones who are just basically who they are. What do you feel about that as far as that era of the gimmick, the gimmicks in uh, in wrestlers compared to Loved just being just, just compared to being who you are? This is me. This is my, my real name. I'm this. I, I loved it. I loved the gimmicks. I, I mean, yeah, me I too, love, man. Me too. If it wasn't for Yokozuna, man, I yeah. wouldn't be here. There you go. Like, he helped me to be me. Yeah. And he created some of the things that I am. And Doink the Clown, I was a fan of. Um, man, I, I loved IRS. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's just like you start going through the gimmicks, you know, even The Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. And Kane, like, you know, I, I love that. Like, but also love the Bret Hart's, the yeah. real human beings, yeah. not just the wrestlers. And his brother Owen, who Owen uh, was the one that I used to ride with, and Owen used to tell me, you know, man, don't get mad and cuss everybody out and try to fight everybody. He said, that's just going to make you look like the bad guy. Yeah. He said, now, if you really want to get them, he said, find them when they by themselves mm-hmm. and nobody's around. And you tell them how you feel and you say, listen, the next time we have this conversation, it won't be a conversation. You better have your hands up when you see me. And Owen was a tough dude. And you and you see the comic, you see the funny Owen on all the videos and stuff. But it wasn't many people that can beat Owen in wrestling. He was a better amateur and technical wrestler than most everybody we had at that time. Mm. And he would take you down and he would choke you. And then it was nothing you could do but say, "Okay, man, I quit. No, definitely, man. I, and and I respected him, and he was like an older brother to me, and he taught me how to not be arrogant and how to, how to not be impulsive. And most of all of us need to get that. Was that one of the uh, uh, worst losses you felt happened to pro wrestling or for you it's personally? The, it's the greatest loss. Yeah, the greatest loss. Out of all of the wrestlers that have passed away, I mean, we just lost Butch Reed yes, yesterday. Yeah. Owen was the, the, the biggest loss because he was still young and he gave so much to the business. He was such a good influence on everybody. And when there were serious situations where uh, stuff was about to happen negatively, Owen was the guy that came in and was like, okay, guys, let's all laugh at this. <laughs> there's there's got to be a joke in this. And he was able to foster relationships with wrestlers that had no relationship based off the strength of his character. There you go. So like Owen is, he, he was special, man. And like ultra talented. Definitely. Like Definitely. You, you watched the, the match he had with his brother, Brett. And Classic. you can't tell who's the best wrestler in the world. Facts. You, you see what I'm saying? Facts. Classic. Everybody say he's the best there was, the best there ever will be. But that night with his brother, they were equal. No, definitely, definitely. So you put that in your pipe and smoke. Definitely. Um, and I want to ask you lastly, man, as far as the Attitude Era, uh, one, you know, just to, to me the greatest era in wrestling history. Um, as far as what y'all were able to do on screen and put on television, um, what do you miss most about the Attitude Era? What would you like to see come to, if it could? come to the new era of wrestling with the WWE? Well, now that the WWE has Peacock, um, 
I think that they should have uh, Wrestling After Dark, WWE Wrestling After Dark, where you have more adult content uh, after, mm-hmm. after 11 o'clock, you know, and uh, parental advisories rated R and plus. Right. And then you allow wrestlers to uh, explore into that uh, more adult-themed wrestling, girls with more risque wear, guys with more risque wear, guys wrestling in situations. There's uh, adult situations, um, male, male, female, female, that can be explored that they don't do exactly. that I think would draw money. And, you know, it's, it's just a matter of having that vision. But like uh, when you say WWE after dark, it shouldn't have an influence on WWE corporate. There you go. And you have to be able to separate the two from a business standpoint. I don't know if they'll ever do it because I love the idea though, man. Because yeah. if y'all can get back to that, to that, you asked me what my right. thing was. No, I love, I love that. That's I love that. Thing. Hey, if y'all can get back to something from the Attitude Era, man, that'll be a blessing, man. Man, as far as um. What do you have going on for 2021, man, before we get out of here as far as what uh, – I know you're behind the scenes now. Uh, what do you have for yourself, for your plans, for your business, for your family as far as going into – coming out of the pandemic, going into 2021? Man, working with the uh, Boys and Girls Clubs in Austin, uh, you know, the Mark Henry Strong Kid program is probably the most important thing to me. I have two kids. You know, I, I'm, I focus on them a lot. You know, I'm, I'm their Uber driver now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to whatever events they're doing. And I, I do. I, I want to stay working behind the scenes in wrestling. I don't have to be ever seen again. I had enough uh, TV time. I love it, man. Well, definitely, man. Uh, the world, world strongest, man, strongest. Mark Henry, man. You got any shout outs you want to give? Man, shout out to SWE. Shout out to WWE, NXT. Uh, my favorite wrestling brand right now. And, um, you know, all the people up here in Dallas. Yeah, man. You know, I miss y'all at the clubs. Yeah. <laughs> I retired, yeah. so. He retired yeah. the GOAT. <laughs> I, I, I retired the GOAT, man. Yeah, man. Definitely, man. For those that want to follow you, man, tell them how to get at you on the social media platform. If you want to reach me, I am at the Mark Henry. Uh, you can go to WWE.com. Or, well, you can go to WWE.com and find me, but you can also go to MarkHenry.com and, and get me. So uh, appreciate y'all. You can go get them T-shirts from Pro Wrestling Tees. You know, throw that little ad in there. there so, you, go. Um, you know, see you down the road. Definitely, man. Well, it's definitely a blessing, man, again, to have you sitting here on the couch, man. You are a walking, living legend. The world's strongest man, Mark Henry. You are a real-life street star, man. We salute. We gonna have a pick up the couch and walk out with them. <laughs>